Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello, this is Julia Rayside welcoming you back to Tarrant. Have you been? Last time we were here, you might remember that Lynn was languishing beneath the waves and we'd left Charles Freer in bed having sex with a bee. <laughs> so we, we need to get back to it, really, don't we? But before that, I need to tell you we have another cracking raft of guests waiting to take you through this series. Really sparkling selection. Um, just you wait till you see who we've got. Oh, you're going to love it. Anyway, no more teasing. And even though we didn't win, we got nominated for an award. Um, I was up for the Best New Voice at the Audio Production Awards, um, which was really, really cool. And um, Gary Davis read out my category, which means he read out my name like he did on Radio 1 when I was 13. It was awesome. Um, but for now, back to Howard's Way. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the new series. I name this podcast the Always There Series 2 of Tarrant. God bless her and all who sail in her. Hello, ahoy and welcome to Always There, the Howard's Way podcast. I'm Julia Rayside. Thank you for joining me as I navigate through every single episode of the 1980s seafaring soap opera set in the fictional English coastal town of Tarrant. It would be a lonely voyage without you. And joining me this week to discuss series two, episode one, is the writer, actor and one man always there house band, John Dryden Taylor. <laughs> ahoy. <laughs> Hello and ahoy and welcome. Thank you. So nice to have you back. Thanks for coming back aboard. It's lovely to totter back down the gangplank. Uh, <laughs> I might, that, that's where I'll leave all the nautical <laughs> metaphors, because okay. probably all be news. So you're coming back to series two, having seen, I'm, I'm assuming, still just the one episode before this. Yeah, well, it was very difficult, actually, knowing that I was going to come back. I had to sort of split my ears to listen to the rest of the first series of Always There, because I wanted to hear ah. the jokes, but not the plot. Oh, I see. So I'd be listening to... You're trying to remain immune from yeah, the plot. <laughs> listening, to, listening to other episodes going, you know, anytime somebody said and then you find Avril doing it's like hands over ears I don't want to know I want to <laughs> that's come a back very uncomfortable fresh. way to listen to a podcast it is quite hard and also it, it has the opposite effect because you put your hands over your ears and you've got headphones and obviously it makes the person talking louder yeah so. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a very, it's a bad technique it was, it was just a bad plan so yes I, I have seen uh, series one episode five and then there was a big jump brilliant to series two episode one brilliant so that was the fastest pregnancy you've ever seen on pretty television. much well it's but it's like you know if you if you're used to watching 2018 drama then massive three-month unexplained jump cuts yeah. are, you know, that, that's how we do things now. There's, Absolutely. Uh, so 
In fact, I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about the, the difference between the way things were done in the 70s and 80s and now, because I was thinking about, about All Creatures Great and Small the I other day. I loved that show. And I, I, I tweeted about this. The 70s series completely glossed over the whole fact that this was a young man from inner city Glasgow who was yeah. sent to, to the orchard. And like these days... Mr. Harriet. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, hello, I'm Christopher Timothy and I've, I've come to be your vet. From- I'm from the Gobbles. <laughs> yes, absolutely. What, 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 what? Um, whereas, whereas now, you know, the, the pre-credit sequence now would be James McAvoy drunkenly yeah, fighting a sheep. Up. <laughs> <laughs> like, why did you have to leave me, Karen? <laughs> going you're and seeing right, Bill right. Patterson saying, we're going to send you to Yorkshire. But um, it's Sunday tea time. It's, it, was, it was what was wanted. Yeah, and, 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 and I just think about Howard's Way now would all be jumping around in time. Yeah. And, you know, there'd be flashbacks and there'd be dark secrets. And actually, it's sort of a lot more relaxing to watch something just Isn't play it? out. I know, I know. This is why I keep saying when people are asking me sort of why I'm doing this. It's because it is, it's a genuinely different experience to watching modern drama, which can really, I mean, watching The Bodyguard at the moment, I don't know if, you, if, you've, if you've seen any of it. Not it's yet. one of those dramas where, and I've never understood this, but people are tweeting along with watching it. So they're not really fully concentrating because yeah. they're also trying to express their opinion at the same time. And there was an episode, Sunday night, BBC One, so just after the old Howard's Way slot, <laughs> And it was just, the, you know, the twists and turns, killing off of main characters. Are they dead? Are they not? It's exhausting. This is just linear narrative, people thinking and then doing, thinking. And, and I just find it so much more relaxing to watch. And the, the pace, I mean, you wouldn't want everything to be paced like this. But for example, yeah. when Jack is showing that he can still sail the Barracuda, <laughs> which is how we must pronounce it because everyone does it. The Very Barracuda. Well. <laughs> the Barracuda. There's like... Three quarters of an hour of sailing footage <laughs> just in the middle of the episode. See, oh, I love From that. a distance, you can't see Jack or Avril or um, Fascinating David, of whom more later. It's mm. just, here's a boat. It's like watching golf, but with boats. It's and porn. that's a pitch. It's absolute porn. <laughs> well, as you know, since the last series of Always There, I have had my first sailing lesson. Exciting. Which was thoroughly exciting. And so obviously now I'm an expert sailor <laughs> and I really understood what they were doing with like all the ropes and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Did you go out at half one in the morning? Because in the last episode <laughs> yes, I saw... that's right. Um, Middle of the night sailing. Lynn was taken out after her shift at By the her club. dad, when yeah. she confessed to a dangerous yacht addiction. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we must crack on with this episode. So much to catch up with. So when we join this episode... Although so many things have moved on, it's literally hours after the end of the last series. I so see. Since the end of series one, poor Lynn Howard has been submerged in the marina with a head injury under the water. You what? But she survives. It's okay. But we as the audience know this because obviously I as the audience didn't. <laughs> yes, exactly. I've been fascinated the whole episode by it's the... Mad. Magnificent lack of concern anyone except Jan has for it, Lynn. It's and Jan's running around going, No, my daughter's definitely yeah, missing. She, she's been and everyone's gone going, for hours. Oh, well, she's probably just looking at a pretty dress. <laughs> like, everyone is like, She'll come back when she's hungry. I know. <laughs> it's literally like she's lost her dog or something. Any viewers who've been, as I was when I was 10 or 11, you know, hanging by a thread going, What has happened to Lynn? She disappeared beneath the waves. It was dark. You didn't see her after that. The credits rolled. And this episode opens on the big sort of smiling grinning faces of everyone standing around the marina because they're launching the barra Cuda. Thank you. And um, and there's like the champagne hits the hull on one of those, you know, automatic champagne smashing arms. And doesn't and break. Had, no, it doesn't break properly. And this was, this was a big era for breaking champagne. Yes. Because there was that ad with Elaine Stritch and Mum Champagne. Do you oh, remember yes. that? I named this ship. Good heavens, this is Mum Cordon Rouge Champagne. That's far too good to waste on launching a ship. And then the ship salesperson, it's got that name on it. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm sure, I don't know if it's just like <laughs> <Good> bad. <joke. laughs> it's bad filming or yeah. um, like... 
lack of uh, filming time or, or or just you know massive foreshadowing yeah. that the champagne bottle doesn't break it's like that'll do move on yeah. next shot also i love in this sequence the fact that it felt as if they'd taken one shot of Avril smiling and clapping <laughs> and just were ke- kept coming back to that same shot. Do you think she just looked like she was doing the same performance? There's really? so much Avril work going yes, on. She's not going any light and it's just all reaction shots. And, and yeah. because nothing is happening except everyone saying, isn't this marvellous? Every 20 seconds, it's the same shot of Avril smiling. But it's so weird. So there's all this jollity. Lynn Howard, although I know it's not been the, the full extent of her missingness hasn't been appreciated yet, Lynn Howard is missing. Tom Howard and Jack Rolfe, so the designer of the boat that she's launching, can't even be there because he's embroiled in a court case, which could see them lose their business. And she's laughing her head off. Like, yeah. it just doesn't seem quite right. It's not a good episode for Avril, this. Avril does not come across well. She, no, she in doesn't. This in fact, I, I, well, we'll come on to it later, but I don't buy a lot of her motivations in this episode I just think the writer was kind of painting her out as someone who'd I don't know who'd have like no empathy for a nice man whose daughter had gone missing it's like oh just pull yourself together like there's yeah, a well, fucking boat to talk about that's the thing we're going to get to later she yeah. says some ice cold stuff I mean this is a shady episode people are ice cold at each other yeah. all over the place it's very 80s it's very never mind about that what about the money but anyway so this opening episode it kind of it's a it's a glamorous setup we get um, the helicopter hovering over the yacht full marina and Charles Freer is in the helicopter watching the launch of this boat Charles Freer who is new to me of course oh you didn't meet um, him last series when I when I was a uh, bastard, when I was John. around in my day <laughs> when it was all fields we didn't even know who'd bought the flying fish ah well, that's well, how, that's well, how far back I it go. wasn't Charles Free it was it was Avril that's right yeah but anyway so he's hovering presumably just nosy can I just um, can I just rewind there were a couple of oh, things at the beginning firstly was there a starring in the credits in series one. Because um, now we've got starring Morris Colborne, Jan Harvey, Darcy Gray. Oh, I, I, I can't remember. I can't remember. I thought it was just boats. I, it was boats and with their names. I don't know if the word starring was, I was in be, there. I was being kind of hypervigilant um, when I was watching it. Because no, this is what we like. I recreated the 1980s experience because never having watched it in the 80s, yeah. I never had this thing that I've heard a lot of people on this podcast talk about, which is, you know, you connect it with Sunday evening yeah. and all oh, going back to school and there's something I should have done. And, yes, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. and the something I should have done was watch Howard's Way. Was, <laughs> that was your homework. That was my homework. Superb. We're recording on a Monday morning. So uh, I, wa- I watched this last night on a Sunday evening thinking, Good. I must do that thing. <laughs> so there's, there's a kind of meta circularity Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're trying, to, you're trying to feel it. You're an actor. You need a motivation. I totally understand. And just hear, hearing the theme tune to it. it Makes just, you think you've got to go and watch another episode. Yeah. yeah, it really does. I love it. I've got to I've got to watch out for funny things. Just a general sense of unease. That's what we're trying to instill in people here. And there's no kind of nobody's babied like they are now. There's there's no previously on Howard's way. No. Um, you know, if you've missed a few episodes like me, yep. you're just chucked into it. So of course Which is I great. I had no idea what the Barracuda was. <laughs> I vaguely recognised Avril, but yeah. she's more evil than she used to she's be. She's more evil. She dresses like a lady pirate now. Like, <laughs> I don't know who changed. Charles Freer is at all. <laughs> Except he's in a helicopter. He's in a helicopter. And is therefore probably evil. Yeah, oh, no, most definitely. There's no way a good person could accumulate enough wealth to buy a helicopter. Uh, and a room of technology. <laughs> he's got a room full of, like, BBC micros oh, that we see yes. in a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His business hub. Um, so anyway, he is watching the happy scenes from above. Um, there's a weird shot where all the clapping people are shot through other people's legs. Yeah. Which is an odd decision by the director, I thought. I'm not quite sure what he or she was trying but to say. Everyone, but everyone who's... Uh, coming to watch the Barracuda being launched um, <laughs> is either an aficionado of knitwear, moustaches, yep. yep. 
or knitwear and moustaches, <laughs> um, which is that's basically yeah. a subtitle for Howard's Way, isn't it? Knit, knitwear and moustaches. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There's some Deck jumpers going on, but they are going to be eclipsed <laughs> um, by a jumper that we're going to meet later on with a character <gasps> in it. Can't wait. <laughs> so we come reluctantly away from the launch of the Barrow. John's taking a drink. Cuda. Thank you, John. Um, <laughs> to cut to the court scenes, which are, they're desperately dull, but this bits of plot needs to be tied up. So oh, my word. I mean, this is the point where I had the full realisation that I did it. not have a fucking clue what was going on. Um, Who's I mean, I, that man and why has I, he got that tissue? <laughs> I gradually realised, um, uh, well, as they told me full out yeah. who these people were. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's a real, you know, cold open for somebody who hasn't seen a few episodes uh, well. so, because they they don't really do clunky exposition here they just again they, why i love this show they talk as if you know what's going they on they assume a certain amount of intelligence in the audience yeah. and they just they, they give you a little bit of a help a helping hand as it goes along there's a great line in the yeah. scene as well which uh, which made me very happy yeah um which is where the uh the lawyer who's questioning this old man with a tissue who i wasn't yet Dick aware who it was is it true you were known as the affidavit maker? <laughs> and everyone and everyone goes completely shocked like he's called him a dick. And, and, and I, did you have it on a t-shirt? <laughs> I don't know what it means. I, I wanted him to say, did you just call me an affidavit maker, you swine? I mean, I know what all the words mean. He's insinuating that he's got a bit of a history of uh, you know, bogus legal claims. Exactly. He's I think a Giles so. Corey figure. I didn't think, because they go on to bring up all of his criminal past. I didn't think you were allowed to do that. But is that just if you're accused of a crime, you're not allowed to have other crimes taken into consideration? I think there's a criminal versus civil... Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, anyway, I'm they must have done their research. Up, like, no, no, I don't believe for a second they wouldn't have done their research here. So we're in court. Shellett is trying to make a play to get his share, what he believes to be his share of the boatyard, from Jack Rolfe because Jack Rolfe was married to his sister. But obviously it means that Tom and Jack are in court and they're missing all the fun, the launch of the boat, the boat that Tom designed. It was his, you know, his they're missing all the fun, joy. the launch, the abduction. Yeah, all that fun <laughs> stuff. They can't like do any of it. Was, was Lynn abducted then? Or no, did she, she just fall down? was in love with Charles Freer, but he had many women. Because there's a bit of her, her jumpsuit on his yacht. Her banana jumpsuit, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's very upsetting. A, a suspiciously square piece of fabric caught on a nail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, we'll come to her in a minute. But no, she was, uh, at the end of last series, she fled his sex yacht in tears <laughs> because she found him with an, another woman called Honey Gardener. <laughs> Amazing. Who, who Phil Jupiter and I worked out last last episode. Honey Gardner, that's a bee. <laughs> so Charles Freer was having sex with a bee. Lynn walked nice. in on him and oh, then she ran out in tears. Though. It was raining. She slipped on the decking. She hit her head. She went into the water. That was it. So as far as we knew, she died, probably. And she's been always there ever since. She had, but literally, like, what, breathing through a straw? Like, no idea. Anyway, back at the Howard house, Jan is frantic about Lynn's whereabouts. Jan is... <laughs> Jan Harvey, friend of the show. I don't want to sound too sycophantic. Jan might hear this. <laughs> she Her will. first shot is magnificent. She looks like a fashion drawing. She's standing. It's beautiful. On the phone, in the framed in the doorway. It's a nice shot as well. Give the director some credit too. Yes, yes, it is. Beautiful. It's a lovely shot. A female director, I noticed. Which, yes, um, yes. Not that usually. I know, I know. But just the way Jan Harvey is standing, just the leg out, the hips slightly cocked. Gorgeous. 
And the outfit she's wearing, it makes the lines of that sort of panelled navy and white skirt just spread beautifully. And blue and white. I've talked about this before. Not just nautical. You Uh, have your innocent people. Lynn was always in white. You have your slightly sexy people in blue. And Jan, at the moment, because she's a mixture of concerned mother, (laughs) but still sexy Jan, she's in blue and white. Yes, exactly. Because that's how complex she is. Okay, so tell me, what's the significance of a banana jumpsuit? Uh, a banana jumpsuit. Wronged woman. A banana jumpsuit <laughs> plus Charles Freer's helicopter yeah. makes me think probably Annika Rice and Treasure Hunt. <laughs> yes, yes. Stop the clock. <laughs> anyway, Jan utters the immortal line on the phone, is that Charles Freer's yacht? <laughs> <laughs> I imagine she looked him up in the yellow pages. <laughs> yes, how does a yacht talk? Hello, Charles Freer's yacht. That's not how a yacht talks. But you want you want her to get an answer, don't you? I'd completely. So anyway, she's, like you said, the only one who's genuinely worried about her daughter. She's finding it quite hard to get anybody else to be as concerned as she is. So this is the first reminder we've got, you know, several minutes into the episode. Lynn's still missing. <laughs> she hits her head. We, the audience, know something terrible and Presumably, we've been waiting nine months to find out A what happens time. to Lynn. Yeah, then Leo uh, arrives oh, at the Oh, hooray! Door, and bless him, uh, obviously, the, the reaction that, that most often happens when Leo arrives anywhere. <laughs> Jan just goes, oh, it's you, Leo. She says, oh, it's you, I've written, oh, it's you, Leo, she says, for all of us. I know. And then he, he says, you needn't sound so disappointed. I know, bless, I, I feel bad for Leo, I do. I and mean, since just, series one, yeah. um, the actor has developed into a young Richard Maidley. He, he is, he's growing a mullet. Literally, the worry for his sister's safety has lengthened just the back of his hair by some considerable margin. And then we're back to the courtroom where Charlotte's being grilled. Oh, but no, wait a minute. What have I missed? Some amazing Leo action. <laughs> And there's a sentence that you will never hear come out of my mouth again. <laughs> he sort of stands up to Jan a bit at, at the end of the scene and shows a bit of a spine and a bit yeah. of sass. And then to outline that he's Leo, he says his sassy line and takes a sip of orange juice. <laughs> <laughs> Woof, I'm a man. <laughs> yeah, well, he's a man of the world now, you know. He's got a sort of not girlfriend and a not baby to support. So he's well, seen a lot of life now. Uh, but yeah, back in the courtroom, it's all just going on. Shellet's being grilled and pulled apart by the defence barrister and they bring up his perjury Conviction, so he's starting to look on shaky ground. And how did Jack find it out? Can't remember. Well, Jack fed this information to the lawyer because he's got friends in low places, old that, matey. That's <laughs> right. He knows a lot of dodgy people. I've got friends in low places, old matey, is a line that I had to write Nice down. one. Okay, also, cool. Shellett, again, with a little sort of attack of 80s vowels. Yeah. Very emotionally at one point says, Facts effects. <laughs> I love that actor. Which sort of raises the question, if he's going to say fact as fact, is, is his name even Shellett? Well, is, is he I called Shalott or <laughs> Shalut? My name's Shellett, in fact as fact. I think it was um, the episode of this we did with Catherine Jakeways, where he, he utters the immortal line, what's in it for Dick Shellett? That's the first time you know his name is Dick <laughs> Shellett. No, the actor is called Oscar Quittack, and apparently is still going strong. Uh, in retirement now, but it's still, it's, it's still with us. He looks 112 in that episode. He, he does. He just has the most astonishing face. He always looks like he's in a different show to the rest of the cast because his acting is so yeah, kind intense. of uh, yeah intense and sort of unpredictable. And I I can't imagine two of his takes would be the same. He's just he's really just fascinating for vowels alone. Well, exactly. <laughs> um, back at the boatyard, Avril. She is dressed like a lady pirate now. She's got kind of like stripy blazer with the sleeves rolled up, a massive bow in her piratical ponytail. She's on the phone with Jack who's rung in sort of rather passagly because she wants to try and track down Tom. I mean, there's passag, there is ice 
cold. Her subtext to every line is, you're the whore who's sleeping with yes. my husband. Can I speak to my husband, please? <laughs> like, dude, you're getting a divorce. Brackets, like, you whore. Yeah, lay off with that. Uh, it's a bit of a standoff between the two. And then in the ultimate passag sign-off, Jan asks Avril to get Tom to call her if he's not too busy. Yeah, and then what does Avril do? The greatest of all soap things. <laughs> she looks at the receiver. Phone <laughs> conversation ends and she's like, what was that receiver? It's one of those things that soaps in particular are yeah. adamant that we do like if you're having a horrible conversation with someone at your front door and you slam the front door that's right because you can't speak to them anymore what you then have to do is fall back onto the door that's right you turn your back you lean back on the door and maybe slide to the you ground you might slide down or you might just look oh god you must do the door business first yeah I was going to talk about uh, the other great bit of soap acting which is the over the shoulder evil look when you're hugging someone uh, but I yes. literally heard that discussed on a podcast on my way here this morning oh well we can't so be we mimicking can't, a podcast we can't we're, be plagiarising like that John. so Jan can't find Tom obviously doesn't realise that he's in court back in court <laughs> Shellett is still fingering the old snot rag <laughs> that's no way to talk lot. about Jack Rolfe oh you've made it all cheap and nasty now but I mean that performance anyway way is kind of astonishing but he makes him seem so grubby in in the last series I mean it got really dark towards the end of last series Shellett is entertaining a lady of the night in his room and he talks about how he basically loved his sister a bit too much Whoa. and was sent away because of it he you can only love um, boats or wood in this it, you well, can't love your sister you can love your siblings too and not in a good way and he's always depicted in this he's so grubby like everything yeah, about yeah. his life is grubby and unclean so I really like the tissue and it was perhaps slightly overstating it but it did I'm, I'm guessing that was a bit of actor's business perhaps not from the director could well be I think that's what Oscar would have said uh, I think the tissue should look a bit I might blow my nose on it few more times because it looked disgusting anyway and of course this is where i discovered not having seen any of the intervening episodes but back in series one episode five you had jack confessing to kate that he only married his wife that's oh he's told for the boatyard what he'll listen (laughs) and he He, didn't love her no keeps telling that story but I, i like to think that she had the same kind of vowel affliction a, a contorted, what, Dulce, Dulce contorted Ray, vowel. No, the, or, no, the, or the wife, the wife, the as wife. her brother. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So oh, if, he, if, he, if he's saying effects, effects, I can just, I can just imagine her to like, <laughs> like an hello, hello. So hey, I'm going to marry Jake Ralph, and there's nothing you can do about it. I wish we'd met her, maybe in a flashback or something. We never do, sadly. Anyway. Gerald has snuck into the back of the court to try and keep an eye on Shellett because Shellett is ultimately supposed to be getting control of the boatyard so that then Charles Freer can sell it, bulldoze it and use the land for his marina project. And it took me the longest time to realise who Gerald is, by the way. Ah, yes. Sort of Charles's right-hand man. No, he's on the phone to him in the helicopter, isn't he? He was saying, why don't you get down to the courtroom? We need someone to hold Shellett's hand. Yes, but that's not the bit of Gerald that I hadn't realised about. Oh, you mean the lavender marriage? (laughs) What? Ah! <laughs> you are blowing my mind. All, all I meant is I found out towards the end of this episode that he's the husband of the marmalade wig on a stick. And, <laughs> Polly Urquhart, thank you. <laughs> and, and the father of Denise Zickerham. But he's Yes, uh, yeah, well, the father in name. <gasps> the putative father. Mm, Lavender marriage. The said. real father. Couldn't be the actual father because they've never done it, John. Anyway, <laughs> so Gerald is at the back. He's watched Shellett effectively shoot himself in the foot. He admits he's got letters from his sister telling him all about her unhappy marriage to Jack and how Jack treats her like shit. And that sort of negates the fact that he earlier said he had no communication from That's her, right. so he couldn't have known that she died and that he was due to get half the boatyard. So, um, it's a it, great piece of writing sleight of hand because yeah, it is. you don't notice that that is a 
bonkersly stupid way to lose a case. Yeah, it was really <coughs> rubbish. To go and say, no, I didn't hear anything from anybody. <coughs> yeah. Two minutes later, I got a letter. He, he holds <laughs> the letters up. Like, he's got like, a, a, loads of them. <laughs> I've got loads. Oh, no. Oh, no, hang on a minute. No, sorry. I didn't mean... Um... Oh, tits. <laughs> yeah, so he cocks that one up and Gerald puts his head in his hands. But it's easy come, easy go in the world of, sort of Tarrant. Charles is upset about it for like a second and then just doesn't give But you also me. get like an ominously plonky, plinky, harpsichordy version of the theme tune at this point. Oh, know? yeah. Dun, well, no, bang, bang, no, that's bang, the bang, that's bang, the bang. Russian spy music that always accompanies Dick Shellett, who's neither Russian nor a spy. <laughs> um, but I, li- I just, I like Simon May deciding that that is his theme tune. It's perfect. Also, he, uh, Dick Shellett does a, sorry, Oscar, does a great hands-on face breakdown. And I love oh, a good yeah, hands-on yeah, face yeah, breakdown. Yeah. On the yeah, if you can and, act through your own hands, that's pretty <laughs> fucking impressive. Let's and, it. Uh, and, and, and Oscar does a great job here. He is superb. So back on the sex yacht, Charles is receiving the news that Shellett's queered his pitch for the marina development. And so I know it's a hacky says, thing, but on his massive 80s phone, phone. it's just a great <laughs> big, like... They're Lego lovely. boomerang that he's holding. Abs- absolutely. So yes, Charles receives the news that Shellett's mucked it all up and he just says rather dryly, drop him, Gerald, he's no further use to me. So that's him uh, out on his ear. It's a very, very grey day. The sky behind Charles is kind of mushroom coloured and so is Charles's suit. So he kind of disappears into the background. And then just almost a throwaway, he asked his assistant, Samantha, to get him a divorce expert because he wants to divorce his wife, Honey Gardener. <laughs> also, <laughs> Samantha is the greatest character. She is. And the greatest performance of anything <laughs> I have ever seen. Now, she <clears throat> is always there. She, is, she never leaves the sex yacht. She's always on duty day, night, middle of the night. She's fending off people. Like when Lynn fell into the water, she was there saying, no, Miss Howard, you can't go on. It's like, so it's just you on board and a man and a woman having sex. That's not normal. <laughs> You're guarding some people having sex. <laughs> I mean, I, I was excited when she first appeared because, weirdly, the way Tony Arnold said Samantha... He was like, Siddhartha! <laughs> I, I rewound because I thought he'd said Siddhartha and I thought Siddhartha. German, liter- <laughs> German literature is, he wants someone to bring him some Hess. Um, <laughs> okay, you've just gone way but, <laughs> off the remit of this podcast, but I'm enjoying it. Carry on. But then she comes in. I mean, has she ever spoken words before? <laughs> a very, very seldom. Uh, it's just it's, very good, Mr. Freer. Uh, yes, sir. But I mean, has the, has the actor ever spoken words before? Because Yeah, I think so. It's not as if... <laughs> She knows that what any of them Maybe mean. Maybe she was surprised to be allowed to. It's like, what, me now? Oh, God, shit, I can say something. Yes, <laughs> I've got the call through and I'm baffled by everything I'm saying. I've learned it. I have got the words in order. May I now leave? It's. <laughs> I hadn't noticed the awkwardness. It is, once, you, once you clock it, it's unavoidable. A lot of my male guests who, who like ladies always point her out as being far more attractive than all the other women on the show. They've got a particular like for Samantha. Don't know oh, why. Straight men like women who can't speak. Oh my God, thing. that's actually what's going on. That's bleak. Okay, anyway, so now we whisk off to the boutique. Jan's and- got her boutique. Do you understand how big this is for no, me? No, it's massive. Last time I saw her, <laughs> she was tangoing through Caspers. Caspers with a rose yeah. in her teeth. Yeah. Saying to Ken, Go on, yes, I'll give kiss your face if you give me a boutique. <laughs> and now, here she is folding a jumper. Oh, yeah. Her dream has been made real so quickly. And, and she... then Ken comes in and my cup runneth over. But we have to talk about the shot that starts with the carrier bag with Perry Plus Boutique written on the front, in front of the camera, and then it's whisked away and then you follow it out of the shop. It's a very, it's the acorn antique shot. And it's called, what's right, Perimenopausal Boutique? <laughs> Perimenopausal plus size marine boutique. <laughs> yeah. There's a guy on Redbubble 
called Chris Orton, who forensically copies logos from 80s TV shows. He's made T-shirts, including one saying Perry Plus Designs on. It's absolutely amazing. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so you know you can really live the show if you want to. So we're in the boutique, and then yes, Ken arrives in his dove grey suit. Uh, exactly the same colour as the wall. So it's like Charles earlier matched the sky. Now Ken matches the dove grey of, of the boutique. His suit is the same. Later color. on, he he matches Jan's kitchen and her cardigan. Oh, amazing! So there's a, I, I, the I designer's it the, having uh, a bit the, of fun here. Wife, his wife and I love a moment where basically <laughs> everywhere everywhere Ken Masters goes, the room re reassembles itself around the him. The thing is, he is a chameleon though, yeah. because when he's with the low status characters, he's a bit of a lad, and when he's with the sophisticated ladies, of his Karen, posh voice is in full effect. And in, he in the smooths and coos at them and doesn't... Yeah, he was much more abrasive with uh, his cheap and nasty girlfriend Dawn from the last series. Poor Dawn. Now, Dawn, Ken says to Jan in this uh, scene, you're the first real thing that's happened to me. I know. And I just think, poor old Dawn. It's OK. Do you know what? We haven't seen the last of Dawn. <gasps> Amazing. Aha, uh-huh, that's all I'm going to say. There's some great Ken lines in this. He describes young love yeah. as... Peaches and cream, wine and roses, all of that caper. <laughs> I know which line you're going to quote, and I'm just going to sit back and let you do it. I, I don't think you do, because that was the one that I had. Oh, I'm going to pass you my notebook, and I want you to just <laughs> give this a quick scan and then do me a read of it, because I think it's probably one of my favourite lines of Howard's Way so far. I've underlined it for you with big arrows pointing at Ken. <laughs> just say there Ken. You go. Big so John's just going to take a moment to familiarise himself with the lines, and then he's going to give you his best masters, OK? Oh, it's, that's it's quite great. a tongue twister, so you know, have a couple of goes at it if you need. Action. Before, I was just a wide boy with a lot of street sense playing the field and having what everyone called a great time. Yay! <laughs> First time, ladies and gentlemen. First I wish time. I'd written that down. But oh, I, mean, I, think that's, I think that's about the time that we get peaches and cream, wine and roses. It is exactly that around that time, yeah. He's trying to woo her with words, which perhaps Ken shouldn't do, but it's nice that he's tried. And then he undermines it all right at the end. She's been communicating with this extremely beautiful French fashion designer called Claude who's in Cannes and Claude is threatening to come over at some point and Ken of course finds him a great threat because he's a sexy Frenchman and so after all these beautiful honey words she says something about finding it hard to get in touch with Claude and he says <laughs> what else do you expect from a frog it's like okay that, that wasn't <laughs> quite <laughs> as <laughs> but yeah. there's, there's also a tendency in this episode which I didn't see in the previous episode and it's a little unfortunate in terms of the writing of people it's not even tautologies people just saying it's not tautologies it's people saying the same thing twice <laughs> well done me Woo! brilliant round of applause Clip for that. It. that was nice um, but <laughs> scene, and I'm being a bit nitpicky here um, Jan says I'm so worried I mean what if she's had an accident it's like Yes, that's what you'd be worried about. Like, yes. I'm so worried. What if she's got a degree? Yeah, it's, it, yeah, it, yeah. Of course that's what you're worried about. You're worried that something throughout this episode... You'd lose one say, half of those sentences, wouldn't yeah. you? you just lose yeah. one half. Economy, economy, economy. So anyway, now we're back to the boatyard. Avril, I think she's gotten more piratical since the last scene. She's all about blazers. A yeah. Really, really loud the rolled blazers. up sleeve blazer. Flamers. <laughs> She's wearing a series of flamers. With rolled up sleeves because it's the 80s. She's dressed as Paul Robinson. She, yes, she effectively is. I suppose she is. But So uh, she's waiting for news of the court case and then Tom and Jack come back in long faces. Oh, here we go. They, they fake her out like Except Tom bastards. is smirking throughout and I don't know if yeah. that's deliberate. I don't yeah. know if they've... Because if it's a note from the director, it's great. It's, it's just it's like, brilliant. give yeah, us yeah. a little hint yeah. that they're actually One pretending. of you can't quite go through Because of course we, the audience, yeah. know that they've won the case. Absolutely. But, yeah, they do the long faces and Jack is completely in it. Jack has gone totally method. And Tom is looking eyes downcast but with a massive great smirk at the corners of his mouth. It's a lovely moment and it kind of just, it pumps the whole thing full of energy. So there's lots of celebration, lots of happiness, popping of corks. 
But then Avril has to do a handbrake turn, which is almost impossible, <laughs> where she wants to kind of celebrate and then has to let Tom know, oh, your wife's been calling endlessly and your daughter's still missing. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, shit. That was a hard thing to pull off. She just about managed it, but my God, that was not easy. And know? there are bits and pieces of comedy in this episode, all of them involving Avril, because we've got a bit later on where <laughs> somebody who's not from Tarrant gets his comeuppance. <laughs> uh, and Avril's all about the comedy there. But yeah, yeah. I mean, she goes straight from... How wonderful, oh, you fooled me too. Oh, by the way, I think your daughter's still dead. <laughs> she might be dead. You know, not, not showing I mean, she's up not, let's, let's be clear, Avril is not the most tactless person in this episode. No. Um, let's, let's wait until Kate pops in oh, for that my, moment. Oh, I can't wait. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Okay, Jack's pouring the champagne and uh, basically Tom, quite understandably, is leaving to go and see what's to do with his missing daughter, which seems to have immediately put Avril's nose out of joint, you know. Well, she, she like you said, she, uh, she basically says, oh, by the way, your daughter's missing or something? Yeah, yeah, no biggie. Anyway, sea trials. <laughs> Jack, in the meantime, is being the platonic ideal of Jack because he's got both a bottle of whiskey Yay! and a cigar. Welcome to my TED talk about Howard's Way timelines because in the episode I saw before... An evening out in Tarrant stretched from about nine o'clock to five in the morning That's without right. anyone seeming yeah. to notice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In this episode, yeah. Jack is wiring into the whiskey and and and, uh, and cigars. Mm-hmm. 
we've had um, an entire court case resolution, yeah. plus the trip back to the office. We've had the launch. It's midday. I know, I know. Everything is the happening. The clock is pointing to midday. Yeah, the hours are not the same length in Tarrant as they are in the rest of the world. Back at the boutique, Jan is now pretty frantic. And Ken, this is one of my favourite moments. And, and Ken won't take it seriously either. No one is taking her seriously. <laughs> she's got a random VHS tape in her hand. Has she? Oh, I didn't yeah. notice that. She's holding a VHS. What's, what is says, it? says, I just don't think anyone's listening to me. And puts the VHS down. It's like, of course we're not. We want to know what's on the tape. If this is... I mean, I, I might have to go and rewatch it, but... I think she just picked it up and put it down for effect. Like it was just something to bang on the table. I don't know, but what she, I mean, it's not in a case. What she got with a random blank VHS in her booty? I must have... I must have I think it was wrong. probably a video of a fashion show, John. Maybe it's an yes, amazing dress. Isn't there a TV in the boutique showing kind of catwalk footage? Yes. Isn't that like a thing? And it's just, that's absolutely an actor moment. That oh, is. Yeah. Uh, it's the start of the scene and I'm just... I need something. I need something to ground me because I'm just saying nobody's listening to me. I know. I can be holding a VHS <laughs> tape. Brilliant. Anyway, so Ken is not taking her seriously. Then Tom arrives. And gets straight to the vital question. And he does listen to her. This is the vital question that you should ask when someone's missing. And I'm What's really... that VHS you've got in your <laughs> Tom comes in and he's thinking, woman missing, what should I say? And he comes in and he says, where is she? <laughs> and that's the thing, because, you know, he might fool Jan into saying, oh, she's just in the kitchen. That's where she is. Thank God somebody asked. John, I, I think he was just worried about his daughter. Come on, and, you Tom. know, that's what came where, where is she? <laughs> but anyway, of course, they still end up arguing because that's what Tom and Jan do. They What's can't the stop. answer, Tom? What's the answer you're looking <laughs> Over for? Over there by the beef burger. Where is she? Well, Tom, she's missing. But clearly he's been busy with the court case and stuff. He doesn't understand that she went out last night and didn't come home. So, you know, he's just trying to get to the bottom of this. You know, I completely understand his worry. Talk so, to me about Oscars. I don't think Howard's way won any. <laughs> <laughs> Ken tries to take Jan's mind off her missing, possibly dead yeah. daughter by saying, I'll take you to Oscars. Oscars. And I'm really worried. Please tell me that Casper's hasn't been... Did he say Oscars he this said time, Oscars. not Casper's? He said Oscars. Are you absolutely sure? Absolutely positive. Oh, crap. Maybe Casper's is closed. That would make me... I thought he said Casper's. He, he said Oscars. Wow. Yeah. OK, well, maybe the writer literally forgot the name of the restaurant <laughs> then. I don't know. So, uh, finally, yes, Tom is taking the, the whole thing seriously, but he and Jan still end up arguing because they just can't agree on anything and that's why they're getting divorced. Jan Harvey is so good in this scene. She's good in every scene. She's good in every scene, but she this scene is a really clear emotional path yeah. through it. You can see the irritation, you can see the death of the marriage, you can see the, the upset and the worry. It's just really good stuff. Yeah, and they fall into those, as you do when your relationship has gone off the rails, you fall into those same patterns. You can't help having the same argument over and over again. And I think it's, yeah, they, the, the two of them play that so beautifully. And then back at the yacht club... Avril Av is having a drink with the sweater that's eaten the man. <laughs> Can you describe the sweater? Did you take uh, like if, fashion? If notes? I could describe the sweater. Yeah. I wouldn't need aftershave. It's it's like asymmetric shapes. It's Ooh. huge. Yes, it's swamping him. It's black. He's and like an white. average size man. Yes, yeah, squares and rectangles. Yes, it's quite graphic, isn't it? Yeah, it's 1986 turned into knitwear, but it's just. <laughs> I can't believe there was ever a point where it wasn't all you could look at in the scene because. <laughs> I had to rewind this scene because I was just staring. Yeah, at some this odd design. Vast chock-a-block. Yeah. Garment. But, you know, he's a fairly high-status character. I imagine it was probably an expensive jumper from one of those expensive jumper shops in Benetton or something. Or maybe even perimenopausal plus size. <laughs> I don't know if they do men's sweaters. I don't perhaps, know if it's a men's sweater. Perhaps, perhaps <laughs> it's just a unisex, you know, <laughs> offering. So Avril's talking to David Lloyd. And he's from Relton Marine, so he's the guy who's 
probably going to sell the Barracuda as a sort of mass-produced boat. And Tom is late for their meeting, obviously, and Avril's a bit twitchy about that. He's also keen to talk to her about maybe moving to Welton Marine. This isn't the first time they've offered her a job. So I hope it's better than their, their first offer, because last series, he tried to offer her the job. He Basically, she runs that boatyard, mm. and she really impressed them with all her knowledge and figures and research and, and market research. And they said... Um, Despite being a woman. <laughs> exactly. This makes perfect sense. The job offer was... Would you like to be the PA to the managing director, the <laughs> secretary? No, I'm all right, thanks. I run a business. No, I know everything, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, ho- I hope he's about to improve on that offer. But this, again, this is a classic Howard's Way thing. People always do this. He says to her, while sitting in a restaurant holding a menu, I was wondering if you'd be free for dinner this evening. I'd like to talk to you about something. It's like... <laughs> Well, we're, we're sitting at a restaurant now with menus, but we I don't understand what will change this evening, but sure. That's brilliant. Yeah, I remember Very the previous strange. episode I watched, it was like, again, people meeting for lunch to arrange dinner. Yes, they're, they're just constantly going out and they can't discuss, there's things you can't discuss at lunch, you can only discuss at dinner. I, I don't know. There's a, there's a brilliant, brilliant extra in this scene as well, who walks past, in two shots, walks past the table in what can only be described as a gown. It's an actual, <laughs> gown. it's a blue It's lunchtime. Gown. Wow. And maybe this is why the restaurant's called Oscars. Maybe they <laughs> they just have ceremonies there see, all the time. I think they're at the yacht club. They're at the yacht club. They're, so the, the yacht club, you can always tell it's got this slightly queasy looking pink upholstery on the chairs. Right. And there's like an ante room, the bar, where they always order in the bar and then they oh, go through to their right. table when yeah, it's ready. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, so that's what So, yeah, I mean, this woman is at a Hampshire yacht club at lunchtime on a weekday <laughs> in a gown. Maybe she's an opera singer. <laughs> Maybe she's an opera singer. Just passing one through. Of the, one of the local opera singers. <laughs> yes, and exactly. uh, l- lunchtime wine, another the- theme of the series. Oh, they drink um, every David and Avril are drinking. Yeah. She's going to take a boat out in a minute. Yeah. Um, hammered. Um, Tom and Jan, <laughs> there's an empty bottle on the table with Tom and Jan. Yeah. They're looking for a missing person at lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> if they have to suddenly get in the car and go to the hospital or something, who's yeah. going to drive? Apparently I'm they afraid, are drunk. I'm afraid your daughter's dead. I'm very drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I can't feel a thing. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying, but excuse me. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're supposed to be, I guess, my, so I'm 43 now. They're about my age in this. Maybe yeah. Tom's a teensy bit older. So, yeah, uh, you can't drink wine at lunchtime. Past, no, you can be sleeping age, for the rest of the day. Forget about it. Yeah, yeah. you need a, just need a nap. You can't drink wine at lunchtime when your daughter's missing. <laughs> Actually, mean... <laughs> should we just break off? And I've got, some, I've got some Chardonnay. What we do, if we just bang the bottle and then talk about our destroyed marriage and yeah. our dead daughter. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Bleak, bleak, bleak. Also, I really, I made a particular note before we leave the Yacht Club of Avril's eye makeup. It's very blue-green, kind of mermaid, top and bottom lids. Like, she's gone all round with a big sort of yeah. nautical crayon to give her the full mermaid-slash-pirate look. And back at the Howard's house, Jan and Tom are, there's, there's still no news, and Tom's going to leave. And Jan does another classic, a soap trope. She says, Tom, I... Yes? Nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> exactly. So but very what's, important to get what's interesting in. about that moment, particularly in the scripting, and I suppose following the way it's scripted in the performing, mm. there's never any sense of what that might have been. No. But, <laughs> there, there's no idea of what she was planning to well, say. Well, actually, later on when she's talking to Kate, which we'll come to, she does say something about how she finds herself. There's that scene earlier. So Ken and Tom are both there and she's in a state of crisis and the one she feels drawn towards in the terms of like being looked after is Tom. Yeah. So she's obviously having, I don't know what she would have said, but she's obviously having slight... Tom, I- 
pangs. I'm very drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pissed and you look good. <laughs> Afternoon delight. Um, Can anyway. we get to the next scene and the best line <laughs> the ever <laughs> in yes. any piece of television? So we're just to, just to set the scene, we're in the hospital where you forget, obviously, Abby gave birth at the end of last series and it's finally time to take the child home. I cried <laughs> at this line. <laughs> I then paused the recording and rang Julia so I could say the line <laughs> to did. her down the phone. You did. Which is, there's a, I mean, if you've got one line, make it count. There is a ward orderly or maternity nurse some or kind of some midwife, kind of midwife yeah. who hands the newborn child to uh, to Abby with the very realistic line, Hello, here's your baby, good luck! <laughs> Hello, here's your baby, good luck! Boom. And <laughs> Everything we need to know. I mean, it, that it is, is a little bit tied that is up writing. In a, so, yes. <laughs> anyway, Abby and Leo, they're, so they're off with the baby and Abby mentions the flowers. At the end of last series, Lynn is fobbed off by Freya for another dinner date cancelled and sends her his usual massively overstated bunch of flowers. Leo had given the flowers to Abby because Lynn didn't want them. This is the off. weirdest bit of detective work that I've ever seen. Yeah. Leo's too many flowers but theory. It's Hang on, the flowers. Mm, it's, they plant that small idea you think well, that's why do they refer to the flowers how weird they should be dead by now surely it's been eight months <laughs> speaking of um, death you get leo holding the baby the time. baby's now become ginger as well which he definitely wasn't when he was born but they have this moment of dialogue which if somebody overheard them they'd be in a lot of trouble <laughs> because the baby's asleep of course he's asleep because leo's holding him um, <laughs> oh. and leo says to he's very softly spoken he says i hope he doesn't wake up <laughs> and he says me too <laughs> it's just like Wow, we've suddenly gone incredibly dark. <laughs> wow, I, that is dark. I, I hope this baby I'm holding is dead. So do I. <laughs> okay, I did not read it like that, but no, fair enough. I mean, um, also, even Leo is ghosting Abby. That's, yeah. how, that's how bad it is, because he's like, oh, I've suddenly got to go. The flowers, I've realised about the flowers. And it's like, mate, I've just had a baby. I know. Muttering about your sister's flowers? Well, I mean, obviously, in the back of his mind, he's worried about his sister too. So he goes to the payphone and calls his dad and says, who would send a bunch of flowers that big? And figures out it was probably something to do with that cad, Charles Freer. So good bit of detective work there. And meanwhile, Avril is very put out that Tom can't stay for the sea trials because he's got the information, he's taken the call from Leo and he's going to go straight to Freer and find out what's going on with Lynn. So at this point, this is where Avril starts to get really like In episodes past, she's looked at Tom when he's been caring via his children or his ex-wife, whatever, and she said to him, you're a good man, Tom Howard. And it's like, that's clearly why she loves him. And now his concern for his daughter, apparently, is like driving her up the wall. It makes her really angry. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. There is a post-it note in the scene, which is, is very there? cutting edge. Yeah, she Ooh. writes on a post-it. The 3M Corporation. <laughs> and, I just, and I'm just thinking that in 1986, you'd have gone, Brand wow, new, yeah. She is going places. She is. She has post-its. Some kind of go-ahead biatch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What colour post-it? Quite yellow. crucial. Yellow. yellow. Original, traditional nice. yellow. Very nice. Was it? Did she put anything on it interesting, or did we just know that she had a post-it? I, I'm in a room surrounded by post-its. You are, So I yeah. now can't remember. But I've, I've written post-its, so post-its cool. there were. Cool, okay. Yellow post-its, like it. Now, I remember being quite envious of people <laughs> who own post-it notes. My dad got some for his office, and I sort of, you know, admired and they were, them from they, they were only ever A2 as well, weren't they? You never got yeah. the little ones. You, they, they had to be big. Massive. So back at the house 
Howard House, Kate arrives to comfort her daughter. Dulcie Gray is here. Dulcie Gray has entered the building. She's wearing a pussycat bow and a lemon yellow, mustard yellow, canary yellow cardigan. Everything's all right now. Even if Lynn's dead, everything's all right now because Dulcie Gray is here. Do you know what else has happened? Even though Lynn might be dead? What? Jan's had a bit of a change of clothes. She's changed it in her changed. She's changed changed out of her blue... Uh, yes. and white outfit into a much sexier sort of pink vest top and I want yeah. to know when <laughs> I think the designer was a little bit off their game this episode so, Tom I'm just so worried now if you'll excuse me I'm going to slip into something more comfortable <laughs> it doesn't quite work does it so yeah so Kate's there providing comforting words and, and finally someone for Jan to lean on that's not a silly man meanwhile back at the marina Tom has found Samantha your Samantha favourite Samantha Bot character. who I, I said earlier has never spoken words I think she's never met a person she, she's, so, she's speaking just, a lot now she's speaking a lot mm. but again the actor is showing no signs that this is anything other than noises to her (laughs) (laughs) Mr Freer had a call from a person and that's the last I heard of anything but it's like pulling teeth I mean I know she's a loyal retainer to Charles Freer but she can see Tom's frantically worried and she was there she saw Lynn run out of the boat in tears she knew what Lynn had seen when she went inside she knew she'd have been really upset and she's just not really giving up much information they'd had a gap in series one I think somebody had said um Lay off the words for old Samantha. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, in another marina across town, (laughs) Avril, Jack and David have waited long enough. Tom's clearly not going to show up in time for the sea trials. And so Jack says he will take out the barra. Cuda. For the test run so they can show David Lloyd what she can do. And I know that this is 32 years of hindsight, but Mm. the way men, antlers, you know, it's very old school fighting to be alpha male. But... So much of the writing comes across as accidentally homoerotic. <laughs> okay, again, did not get that. Carry so, on. <laughs> so Jack says to David, climb on board and I'll show you just how experienced I am. <laughs> and I'm sure I've said that. You know, it's, uh, John! It, it, and it's all a bit sort of, they're either going to have a huge fight or they're just going to go at it on the Barracuda <laughs> while Avril sorts through her collection of blazers. <laughs> Excellent, excellent. And so they go out on the Barracuda. They and this do. is where we get the cool and the gang cover of the theme tune. The crucial, obviously, this is all about finding clues in detective work this episode. Tom does find the suspicious piece of fabric just above the waterline that was carefully ripped off Lynn's jumpsuit. Banana she jumpsuit. fell into the water. So this is his first inkling that something really bad probably has happened to her. And, you know, the clouds sort of go across his face. But yes, now, sailing montage, always the best bit of Howard's way. Go. It actually bookends the um, the Tom finding the jumpsuit because yep. first of all we get four hours of sailing shots yep. to the Not fun- enough fun- sailing. funky Howard's Way music. Sailing. <laughs> then we get what was Lynn wearing, yellow yep. jumpsuit, square of treasure hunt fabric. Yeah. And then we get to a scene that I'm afraid I can't tell you about because it starts with a discussion of winches and what winches <laughs> could do. And and, and David and Jack instantly became the teacher from Charlie Brown at that point. <laughs> Winches, wah, 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 wah. It still looked a bit sexy time. I still enjoyed the sort of homoerotic jousting. Yeah, but, yeah. But they were basically talking about winches. Boat, 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 boat. Boat, 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 bo
He does. He doesn't well, say, they have like you a go. He telepathic just, he, link. He does a little sort of shake of the head I and she's I think she off. might be a robot and maybe he just presses a secret button in his lapel I mean, <laughs> and decommissions I think, her. I think the, the people who wrote Humans have a few questions no. to answer when they look at Samantha because she's clearly, clearly a synth. It's way ahead of its time. So Tom charges onto the sex yacht, demands to know what went on. Charles is understandably not very forthcoming, but I don't think he realises the seriousness of the situation. But at this point, with me not knowing what was going on either i didn't know what had happened to lynn and and i was thinking what tom must be thinking which is has freer murdered lynn that, that, <laughs> possibly that yeah. would, i mean that 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 seems to be what he's driving at do you think yeah and he also uses the line she's little more than a child <laughs> yes. i.e an adult <laughs> yes yes we know if you're her dad i guess you'd feel particularly protective but also there's the added layer of beef because um obviously i think charles is more than aware that tom is now kind of having a thing with his ex-girlfriend avril who he nearly married but then yeah. he married honey gardener instead no idea why that actually happened some kind of business arrangement but so he broke avril's heart she came running back to tarrant and that's when she and tom struck up a relationship so it's all a bit murky and you know charles doesn't really like him anyway because i think he still has feelings for avril. i love I love how in the 80s this is our equivalent of a dynasty cat fight so in the States you've got a Joe fountain. Collins and Linda Evans in a fountain with <laughs> yeah. diamonds and gowns and in hours where you've got two pissed off middle aged men on a jetty one of them saying you above all people which I'm bringing back I mean because of nice. all people is great but above all people above is, all people is fantastic and it reminds me that um, at about this time maybe a couple of years later there was a girl at my school who was 14, 15 and who was signed for Models 1 Ooh. and it was uh, it was all very very exciting because she yeah. was she was on the front cover of Chat and things Crikey. like that but her big claim to fame is that through her modelling connections she met Tony Anholt's son what Christian Anholt Christian Anholt uh, who then became a successful actor in his yeah, own right yeah, but yeah. I just remember <gasps> I just remember the news making its way around the playground that this girl had met the son of the guy from Houseway. Wow. And that was big. That's, see, that's a big, it was a big deal back then. It was a huge, huge deal. So the two men kind of lock horns a bit. It's all very unpleasant. But to show he's not a complete and utter toe rag, after Tom leaves, Charles flexes his connections and uh, asks Samantha to get him the chief constable on the phone. So clearly he's taking it sort of seriously. He just doesn't want Tom to know that. Then there's um, another six hours of sailing. And oh, not enough a further sailing. three hours of tying off the fucking rope. No. <laughs> I mean, literally, the difference between then and now, we literally see the rope being hauled in, wrapped round the tying nubbin, which yeah. is the cleat, technical word, probably, I don't know cleat nubbin cleat. on the shore, <laughs> wrapped round a few times, tied up, given yeah. a tug to show it's safe. And I'm like, I just watched a, someone tying off a boat. I know, it's a long shot. But they, but my, they, but I'm, again, I'm a busy housewife. I'm just, <laughs> you've got, yeah, you've got pasta bakes to be making. Um, uh, was it Cool Vindergeer tying it off? Because I noticed him in the launch at the beginning. It may well have Looking been. like he'd had a makeover. Davey gets almost nothing to do in this in this series, but they, maybe he gets... He was all like shiny teeth and preppy. Boat play, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't notice who it was, but maybe it was him. Um, the boat is featured a lot, just because there's been so little sailing. Series one, there was some real potential, you know, there was lots of sailing to start with and then just by the end it was pure saga and no boats at all so I think they're just trying to remind the audience like don't worry it's still the boaty one um, <laughs> so the gratuitous shots of, of ropes and now we have a boat themed comedy sequence comedy oh yes we do there's a bit of light relief from David Lloyd who presumably has changed out of his jumper because that alone would be enough to make you feel sick <laughs> but he's come back to shore green basically the same colour as one of the uh, the colours in his jumper his and, jacket, they, and yeah. it's all just it's all just that very sort of wry I don't know. Some people, eh? Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> this guy. 
and they're kind of making jokes at his expense. He couldn't hack it on the sea, and Avril and yeah. Jack are clearly fine. And because that's how people are divided into sheep and goats in this world. Absolutely. If you have a slightly dicky tummy out at sea, you're a prick. Yeah. And he sort of toddles off uh, like the landlubber he is. <laughs> and then Jack delivers the most baffling line. <laughs> Of the episode to Avril, his daughter, who he's brought up and who he spends every day with and runs yeah. a boatyard yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says to her, you'd forgotten I could sail, hadn't you? <laughs> no! <laughs> no, Jack, that's literally something that nobody watching this programme could forget about anyone. <laughs> now, back at the sex yacht, Charles is talking to Gerald, who's reporting back after the failed court case. And I think Gerald says to Charles about Shellett, like it's new information, he's awfully unstable, isn't he? To which Charles replies, <laughs> Go on. you always did have a way with words, as if unstable is Flowery like the most language. incredible language to pull out. Because <laughs> Charles wants him to say he was a bit bonkers, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, clearly. unstable. Check you, Sunday words. And Gerald doesn't know that Charles Freer is married. No, he had no idea. Well, it to all happened Honey to him. Gardner, it the woman and bee. It's alluded to as a business arrangement. Obviously, it took everyone a bit by surprise. He didn't even tell his closest associate. Then he came back from America. And it just he just needs it sorting out like a bit of paperwork. So clearly, it wasn't a match of love. He definitely shagged her, because that's what Lynn walked in on at the end of last series. That's what caused Lynn to fall into the water. But, yeah, I know. She literally, she saw him having sex with the Oh, my goodness, he's having sex with his wife. Plop. <laughs> that's exactly how it happened. But with more rain machines. We have the line that it's going to be plain sailing. Thank yes. you, Gerald, for your nautical part. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And also... And he's so divorce. telling of the uh, of the uh, the time that this is being made. Charles Freer des- describes a divorce settlement where the wife gets all the money as California style. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Oh God, so I love he him. got married for boats, basically, like Jack did. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Now, there's, 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 there's no there's mention a sort of, of boats. There's a hint. No, there's a hint in that scene with Gerald that it's for some kind of boat-related advantage. I, reason. I, all I got was business. I don't even know if he had anything to do with boats. He doesn't. Charles Freer doesn't really have anything to do with boats. He wants to build a marina. Yeah, but he's more land well, than Charles sea. Freer says he wants to build a marina. Mm. What Charles Freer seems to do in action is go, I'm going to do this business deal. Actually, I'm not going to bother. Actually, I'm going to do this business deal. No, it's incredible. He spent one whole series carefully putting his ducks in a row to build a marina. And the minute one duck fell over, he was like, oh, fuck it. Because <laughs> yeah, this now. one says, I was going to um, destroy Ken Masters, but I don't think I'll bother now. I know, I know. I think I'll do it, I'll do it tomorrow instead. <laughs> it is, it's incredibly casual for you know months of hard work. So back at back at Leo and Abby's, well, it's Abby's dingy bedsit. Um, the baby's in, fast in asleep, urban, coincidentally sitting to, right next to Leo. Yeah, yeah Leo's <laughs> drugged the child with his dulcet tones. Yeah, Abby's making formula. Women didn't breastfeed in the 80s. Just, yeah. It wasn't even a thing. Like, there's no way we'd be showing that on TV. So, of course, they just go straight for the... It's like it's very 1950s, just the bottle of formula. It's all very jolly. And no, there's no breasts here. Baby's got a rash. Baby's got a rash. Baby's got a rash. That's right. So Leo's poisoning clearly started to take effect. Um, <laughs> My husband just looked up. He was when I was watching this episode. My husband was had his headphones in, was playing some game, and then he just looked up at the rash bit, said meningitis, and put his headphones <laughs> back in. So I don't know if there is going in to be a, a baby show, illness. No, I think it's literally storyline. just it was just some idle chit chat. But in any other show, that would be a precursor to yeah. total baby death. Oh God, that was a horrible thing to say. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> baby so, <yeah>. death. <laughs> it's total baby death. <laughs> don't, please don't make that your song at the end. I, I don't think I can stand it. The letter. Uh, there's a letter that has arrived, shoved under the door by her unseen but grumpy landlady, and it announces Oren's imminent arrival. So Oren 
is the father of the baby. I mean, Orin. He's an American billionaire's son. He's the dentist from Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, really? Is that his name? <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Fantastic. Well, you know, maybe he is that too. And Abby's changed. Abby's got a bit more gumption about her. Like when she Definitely. thinks she thinks under the door is the milk lady. I know. The milk bill. The milk bill. That's and right. then Leo says something about, oh, we'll be needing more of that. She's like, he doesn't drink cow's milk, you twat. <laughs> like, get away <laughs> no, from my none baby. Of us should. <laughs> we should all drink almond milk. <laughs> oh, you love Leo, really. Oh, Leo. You're just flirting with him. <laughs> so, uh, Hop on and I'll show you how experienced I am. <laughs> Blee! Okay. And then back at the yard, Avril and Jack are discussing the fact that David Lloyd has offered her a job at Relton Marine, non-specified, just a job at Relton Marine. And he also warns her that Tom is still very much a family man <laughs> and that she shouldn't put all her eggs in one bastard. Thank you, Kathy Lett. <laughs> anyway, so, and she, she's kind of a bit grumpy to hear this. And then Tom arrives and apologises to Avril about missing the sea trial. And the two of them kind of have a bit of a face-off where he utters the dreadful line about her not understanding because, of course, when you don't have children, how could you? Yeah. Ouch. So yeah, she'll yeah. be writing an article about that for a woman's magazine. <laughs> But this is this is also where, you know, she gives it the full, I don't care that your daughter might be dead. We had a minor business meeting. <laughs> yes, exactly. We had to go sailing, God we damn it. We had to go out in a boat. Wow. And in this world. Yeah. This is, I know they're trying to create drama where there is none because this is not how Avril would behave if the man of her dreams was desperately worried about the safety of one of his children. She just wouldn't be that much of a bitch. So I'm sorry, but that was the only clanging uh, bum note. But it's also, it's a, it's a scene where they don't know that they're in a story because no, their trajectory is so obvious yes that yeah like, we can see where it's we can going, see what's even happening even though they can't I yeah. know but still she's being a bitch and I don't, I don't <laughs> like she's a very nice character Avril she just wouldn't be that selfish anyway meanwhile Jan is talking to Kate and uh, is this where they're fingering brandy balloons <laughs> in the middle of the afternoon it's like hang on a second and maybe that's later when Tom arrives but anyway yeah there's always a drink on the table she's nervously fingering a glass and she's, this is where she tells Kate that she's feeling herself wanting to turn to Tom not Ken in this time of great uh, adversity and it's all a bit tense and obviously Kate favours Tom anyway and she can't stand Ken. She's all a bit he's your husband you slag isn't it? Yeah and also <laughs> Ken's common as muck and Kate is mm. definitely a snob she doesn't like the way he talks, she doesn't like the way he dresses, she doesn't like yeah. anything about him and meanwhile at the bed sit Polly who just plainly doesn't love her daughter or like her in Wait, any way. Whoa 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 Kate uses the past tense there's a huge doof doof. Oh, that was really bad. Where, she talks about Lynn Kate being says, a former She just person. wasn't that kind of girl. That's and it. And then pulls her face and there's an <sighs> oops moment. And it's like, and of course it reminds me of um, Raquel Cassidy in the first uh, Touch of Cloth, where her character is the murder victim's wife. Yeah. And every speech she has is, we are, were, were very happy <laughs> because he is, was. was and, it, and it is... Exactly what Dozzy does here. And again, this was the moment for me. Because with Avril scene that we were just talking about, you yes. know, I don't necessarily see her as being out of character. I just think there's a quite sort of broad brush Avril as yard person versus Thomas family yes. person thing going on. And I think in a sense we're supposed to think she was in the right. I think there's a... There, yes. With, it's that very 80s thing of you weren't looking after your business. Mm -hmm. But in this scene, the idea, I think, of that line, she wasn't that kind of girl, is... To sort of suggest that Kate has already decided Lynn is dead. I know, but then... And is sort of fine with it. It's all because she lived through a couple of wars, goddammit. <laughs> She's probably just, you know, muddling through as she always does with a smile and a grin. Maybe she feels she has to be strong for her daughter. So she, it, it leaked out because she's trying to present this breezy front when actually she's clearly as, as worried about her granddaughter as her daughter is. And Jan shows her incredible psychological insight in this <laughs> scene. 
having already said, I'm just so worried, for example, an accident, <laughs> she now says about their daughter, I suppose it's something that touches us both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no kidding, Joe. I suppose you do both care about your child. There, there are some odd script moments this first episode back. But the, I think this episode didn't need then also the subplot with Polly and Abby. because and un- Polly series, being an unnecessary bitch as well. Well, she's an unnecessary bitch and she also kind of burned her bridges. In the hospital, she went to visit Abby well after she shoved her down the stairs and then <laughs> put, sent her into early labour. She visited, you know, to, saw the baby and then basically just sort of screamed at them both and blamed everything on Leo and sort of flounced out. So the fact that she's still hanging around does seem a little odd because she She's got a perfectly nice life. And what does she interrupt Leo strangers from doing? in a flat in Chelsea. <laughs> Sorry, what? What's Leo doing when she interrupts him? Is he poisoning the baby? <laughs> Let me tell you. He's dressing a drawing of a mouse in paper dresses. Yes, he is. <laughs> I wrote that down too. Leo is drawing paper dresses on a drawing of a mouse. <laughs> I just think, okay, again, this is the VHS tape. What are you I doing? Mean, it's clearly that? supposed to be for the baby, but the baby's not going to need no, it for three years. No. Leo's cut out the dresses. I know. Polly is an absolute bullet as well because she, like Jan, incredibly emotionally intelligent. She she spends a scene viciously bitching at Leo yeah. about him and about her daughter and then says, you don't like me, do you? <laughs> no, no, then she kind of slides in an apology about blaming him for everything. Because at the end of um, last series, she yelled at him something to the effect of, um, I blame you for this um, and I will and I will never forgive you for it. Yeah. And then basically, after being a bitch to him for the two or three scenes, just says, oh, by the way, I'm sorry I said that. You don't yeah. like me, do you? <laughs> like, and then no, she, and then she ends horrible. the scene on a... like a panto villain exit line you mustn't lose touch with her altogether (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah, because she still thinks abby's gonna come home like why does she want her home she hates her yeah this this is a shady episode Mm -hmm. there are shady bitches all up in here nobody's nice um and we've also missed sandwiched by the bedsit scenes there's a brief glimpse of charles freer and ken in the back of the rolls royce cf1 where yeah where basically charles is only ever dumping people that's what he does and he dumps ken lets him know the marina development's off it was too small for him anyway and then basically says where can i drop you off which is like Oh, it's that like he's dumping somebody else. It's so painful. But it's uh, this is what I mean about Charles Freer. He's a terrible businessman because he devotes time and energy to these business plans. For and then ages. When he's on the cusp of getting them, he goes, actually, no. Nah, I know. Stop nah, it. No, not can't interested. Be bothered. So he takes some pleasure in telling Ken that it's it's all off. But Ken, we see later, is undeterred by this and decides that he's just going to find bigger potatoes to fry if these are too small. Ken for interrupting her. yet another Kate and Jan scene where Kate's like, you know the husband that you've split up with, <laughs> that you've left? and you've both got new partners yeah. I like that one yeah, he's why just, don't you um... he's nicer but also again it's not seen as in any way inappropriate in 1986 for yeah. a mother to say to her daughter you should go back to the husband that you've split up with yes in a way that there would be frantic letters to the Guardian about that <laughs> now my yes. family matters my mother yeah but she's just no you should um, I like him I like that one I know I know she, this is the first time she said for God's sake just what are you are playing at you, you've had enough mucking about now go back to Tom and Jan's obviously so worried about Lynn about being the only person who's worried about Lynn yeah. she's really snarky to Ken here because Ken yeah. tells her about the Charles Freer business and she just says he's way out of your league yes and she was all let's make nautical selfridges last I, time I, I saw know, her you know I she know. was we're going to take over the world if not Hampshire he's already had his dick chopped off once this episode now and then she does it again I think he'd have reacted perhaps more to that but he does talk about himself in the third person as a kind of defense mechanism <laughs> so he said something about obviously Charles Freer said that the marina development was too small for him and so he said if it's too small for Charles Freer it's too small for Ken Masters so, so echoing the uh, what's in it for Dick Shellett line of a couple of episodes ago <laughs> and then he leaves and, and Kate 
just does the full voice of the 1980s middle class. Yeah. Where she sort of says, I respect Drive and Guts. That's a direct quote. Yes. yes. I respect Drive and Guts, but the subtext is, also some people are a bit common. Yes, <laughs> yes, totally. And also Ken doesn't help his case by admitting during his chat with Kate, oh, I'd do business with Jack the Ripper. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he does basically say that he it is the person the question, she thinks he is. What business would you do with Jack the Ripper? <laughs> then, and then you get Kate using the line, which is the equivalent of series one's, he'll come round. Yes. Where she says, she'll show up. <laughs> I mean, he'll come round is fine. You know, if you've got, you've had a bit of a spat with your partner yeah. and it's, a, it's just a soothing balm to yeah. say, don't worry, he'll come round. Yeah. When somebody's fucking missing... You want something a little more practical than, ah, she'll show up. And she's already leaked the information that she thinks Lynn's dead anyway, so she doesn't even mean it. She'll show up, dead. Don't worry, darling. She'll show up, dead or alive. And then Tom comes in, all dramatic-like, to round off the episode and says, the police just telephoned. Not phoned, not called. The police just telephoned. They think they've found Lynn. But doof, obviously, doof, doof. in what state, we don't know. Huh. Presumably, sort of mummified corpse who's been <laughs> under the water for eight months. <laughs> but anyway... And Is she then, in an air pocket? I wanted to ask you this earlier. Uh, yeah, if she's, she's in an underwater. underwater cave. <laughs> <laughs> Someone mentioned she was in the water for near enough ten minutes. So right. how she's not dead, I yeah. don't know. But spoiler, she's not dead. Sorry, everyone. But then, so crucially, series two, the closing titles... They decided in their wisdom, God knows why, that Barracuda, the jazzy da-da-da-da-da music, wasn't appropriate for closing titles. And they swapped it in for Simon May's reworking with lyrics sung by Marty Webb, which is so incredibly slow and kind of laborious. <laughs> it's beautifully sung. It's beautifully sung, but it doesn't do it for me in terms of the bang, end of episode. Yeah. It's just a little bit too lacking in energy. But that's what we're left with. So Partic- Particularly the when two, I think. the cliffhanger is... We found your daughter, who may or may not be alive. Always there. I know, I know. It's like it could be the ghost of Lynn singing to us <laughs> across the sea. Um, so that's the end of series two, so episode one. We're back in with a bullet. Now, as you know, being an old hand, uh, this, thank you, aye, aye, this is where you sing. Obviously, I didn't write my own lyrics last time because no, well, uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't know I was supposed to. Yeah, so uh, I've had a chance to get something off my chest about just a little piece of inaccuracy around the Howard's Way universe that maybe ah. needs to be dealt with. Oh, this sounds right. OK, say no more. Don't say it. Sing it, John. Um, if you enjoy the podcast, please come and find us on Twitter and say hello. We love hearing from you. We're at Always There Pod. And now I'd like to say, John, thank you for being always there. Always there Don't say be always there It's a split infinitive Which although normalised by usage Can still sound clumsy and unidiomatic So say always be there Don't say be always there And please don't get me started On to boldly go The makers of Always There, the Howard's Way podcast, would like to apologise to our listeners. This week's guest, Jonathan Dryden-Taylor, got in touch following his spirited song to inform us that Always There, the theme song to Howard's Way, does not, after all, contain a split infinitive. We would like to apologise for any distress caused.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.